0: This is Upwell, a new podcast from Only One, featuring entrepreneurs, advocates, and leaders working to protect and restore the ocean and the planet. And I'm your host, Aaron Kinnery. Today, we have Lindsay Crowder, the Climate Program Director for Exposure Labs, which is using creative content and grassroots engagement to advance climate justice in action. Let's dive in. Lindsay, thanks for joining Upwell. Your work combines community building and advocacy with content. What initially sparked your passion for activism and storytelling?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, I consider myself a photographer and kind of always have been. Um, and then I think there's a level of storytelling that goes with with that type of art. But um, I think I really was turned on to the, the idea of storytelling or narrative shifting um, through my work with organizing and just recognizing um to kind of shift the, the systems at scale that we need to for to, to bring the solutions that we're seeking when it comes to climate change or um, human rights or what, whatever the issue might be, that storytelling has this really powerful way of kind of harnessing the collective imagination of, of what's possible. Um, and I, I, I think it's a really tangible tool that can be used to, to reach wide audiences for, for
0: large change. And you've worked on campaigns for an impressive range of organizations and issues. What do you think are some of the key aspects of a successful impact campaign?
1: Well, I think, um, first off, I think when, when campaigning, I think it's always important to, um, understand who your audience is and what the, what your theory of change is. So what is the change that you're, you're seeking and then kind of building from there. So, um, Often with impact campaigns or just campaigning in general, it's hearing from the communities that are most impacted, um, and then hearing the solutions from them. And um, I think when you're thinking about audience and and change at scale, um, the the communities that are often most most hit by by the issues are um, often most poised for for the solutions. So I think letting um, following the leadership of of communities and um, really using thinking about change from that level is, um, ends up being leading to a lot of impactful progress at scale.
0: And I know that's a big part of your work currently at exposure labs where you're the climate director. What's the goal of the company and what's some of the key areas of focus for your work?
1: Yeah. So we are a um, film and impact company and we work kind of at the intersection of, um, film and movements. So, um, we have a, production studio and a production team that um, works on long form kind of original productions. And then also um, a team that uh, develops short form content. And then we have an impact team that um, runs campaigns with the, with the films that we um, produce. And then we also work with a variety of different films and storytellers. And we've also built programming um, to Kind of expand a lot of the work from our impact campaigns and continue to to serve the communities where we work. And um, in the past, a lot of our issue areas focus on um, the the films themselves. So um, we predominantly work on um, climate change and in the humane tech space.
0: And media plays such an important role in informing and inspiring audiences. And one challenge that we often grapple with is, you know, when the credits start rolling what are some of the best ways to translate that mass awareness into meaningful action?
1: Yeah, that's like, that's that important moment that, um, I think is, is really where our work introduces audiences to, um, to the solutions or to the action often predetermined by our partners. So, um, I think that there's storytelling, as mentioned before, has this kind of really transformational way of grounding these massive issues um, of our time in real life. And they also have the ability to kind of harness our imagination. They have an ability to um, show us what's possible. And often when you're engaged in a story or film, you're like left touched in a way that um, science and logic might not always achieve. Um, So we kind of come in at that, at that moment um, where, which is a really critical moment in, um, to lead audiences on an engagement journey that um, could mean it could be an extended conversation around the issues. There could be a direct call to action provided by our partners. Um, there's a there's a variety of different ways that that you can lead lead audiences to action. But often, as mentioned, those are often predetermined by our partners or um, organizations working directly on the issues in our in our films.
0: What are some examples of, of some ways that you've worked with partners to to translate that awareness into action?
1: Oh, that's a that's a good question. Um, so some of our past work, um, we worked with the League of Conservation Voters in South Carolina to um, run several different film screenings across in different key districts across the state around a solar bill that was being passed, and it was um, kind of mobilizing these target districts to um, not only come watch a variety of films, but then um, our partners hosted conversations and had call to actions to have these communities engaged. Um, We've led um, community events to mobilize voters in key districts as well, so working with partners to um, engage audiences in either getting out to vote or signing up to vote. our film in the field and our current work, we've had partners lead uh, lead the campaigns themselves, and um, they've we saw a variety of, of film being used in a variety of different ways, including um, conver- extended conversations, um, signing up for different actions that are relevant to the organization. And it's just, it's I think for each group, um, depending on the needs and the goals of the organization, there's a lot of really different creative ways that that film can be used in their in the work.
0: Terrific. You mentioned your Film in the Field program. I would love if you could just share a little bit about that work.
1: Yeah. So our Film in the Field program was really kind of born out of the um, ongoing impact campaign with our um, feature length film, Chasing Coral. And through that impact campaign, we were um, we built such an engaged community around the globe, um, of people working to thinking about preserving the oceans that, um, we just, we felt like we just couldn't, we couldn't stop or we couldn't, um, just break off the work in, in that degree. So film in the field was kind of born from this need of like, how can we continue to give back to the communities that we serve? How can we continue, can continue to build programs that, um, that serve communities and, and allow organizers to be able to use storytelling in their work. So we did a round of um, listening sessions with different uh, um, leaders and organizers in the climate movement and identified that um, a lot of organizers really do do know what their communities need and know the goals of their work. And um, really, it's just using the, being able to have the resources to, to use film as a tool in their work. So we built this program that... Um, is really a, a capacity builder program for organizers to be able to use storytelling in their work. And we have a couple different models, um, one where organizers can apply um, for subgrants to be able to use film in their work. And um, so they have access to a library of films, uh, um, an expanded um list of resources and then grant direct grants to be able to to use film as a tool. And then we've also resourced a second cohort of organizations to be able to use film to tell their own story. So they'll be working um, within their communities to 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 make short form content around around their work. So there's different different models. And then in the in next year, we'll be releasing a, a different um, variety of capacity building grants for not only climate organizers, but also um, storytellers that are thinking about impact within within their work.
0: And I imagine a big portion of that capacity building is driving the shift from what I've heard you call extractive to participatory storytelling. Can you just talk a little bit about what that means and what it means um, specifically for the style of storytelling, but also what it means for building the efforts of local on the ground groups, um, and, and the work that they're doing.
1: Yeah. So, um, when one of the, the model around telling their, uh, around groups, being able to tell their own story and then also being able to lead the, the campaigns of, of using film was really birthed from this idea of like, of, Letting, letting, listening to communities and following the leadership of local communities and um, just historically and too often storytellers can swoop into a community to tell a story that is not their own. And very often the communities don't benefit from from that work, and um, or the mainstream or the mainstream distribution of the story, so um, often too, the story can be misrepresented. It can be told without consent, um, and there's just a lot of different practices that can end up being really extractive and harmful um, with that with that way of of storytelling. But um, there is a movement within. The kind of film industry and also uh, it's uh, the essence of organizing is um, how do you, how do we encourage ethical storytelling and um, how do we continue to interrogate every step of the process so that we're thinking about who's telling the story, how we're telling it, who's funding it, how is the story getting shared, and um, really listening to communities and, and letting them them lead the work themselves.
0: Last year, your team hosted a climate story lab program for the U.S. South. What was the vision behind this effort and who were some of the organizations that you all engaged with as part of the lab?
1: Yeah, so that um, exactly what I just noted, the story the motivation behind Climate Story Lab is is interrogating that exact thing of who's telling the story, how is it being shared, how is it being funded? Um, That's really where Climate Story Lab was birthed in partnership with Doc Society. And um, we chose the U.S. South as um, a very intentional pilot on how do we resource Uh, storytellers at the hyper-local level. And when we think about equitable and ethical storytelling, um, the U.S. South is one of the hardest hit regions in the U.S. from climate change. And it's also the least resourced when it comes to arts and culture and and storytelling in general. So from an equity standpoint, we built from there, um, knowing that um, the U.S. South being the hardest hit and the the least resourced is best positioned to um, to shift and and lead to the solutions and the storytelling that's needed to get to the solutions to solve the climate crisis. So we partnered with um, two local institutions um, that serve both storytellers and organizing within the region. And um, so our partners were the New Orleans Film Society and the Southeast Climate and Energy Network. And um, we selected a cohort of seven projects that were at different stages of progress um with within the US South. And we did a week-long lab where we brought in organizers and storytellers to consult on those projects for to to achieve the greatest impact and to have um a lot of the consultation be from people doing the work that the stories spoke to. Um so it was a really cool lab and and I think the the power of having a a hyperlocal model allowed for a lot of relationship building and a lot of relationships that were built from that lab itself are still happening today, which is really
0: inspiring. That's terrific. How do you think about reaching new audiences with a content and campaigns to bring even more people into the movement?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. There's, I mean, there's, that's one, one thing that we're constantly asking ourselves is, um, is who is our audience and and how do we reach them. So um, I think there's, there's a couple different ways to think about it that um, with storytelling and, and distribution, you can think about this idea of mass audience. So how do we, how do we reach the largest amount of, um, Eyes on on a specific piece of content, and then um, there's also this kind of deep organizing and deep impact um, side to audience, which is who are the communities most impacted by the issues that we're speaking to, and and how do we reach them? And so I think it's it's a it's two different strategies that kind of require two different approaches. So thinking about mass audience, it's. Um, How do we tell a story that's approachable to mass audiences and um, how do we work with the kind of general public or broader um, range of experts to inform what that story is? And um, I think distribution is is a really kind of key uh, player in in how how we reach new audiences in that regard. So are we. distributing through Netflix, which two of our films have been, um, are we independently, um, distributing this film. So there's different range. And I think you get a different level of access with new audiences, depending on what your distribution deal is. And sometimes that's within our control and sometimes it's not. And then I think with new audiences, um, when thinking about impact, uh, we work really closely with partners to not only inform the story, um, but then to inform what the impact could be from that story. And so, um, using partners and using the the resources from, from their organizing to be able to distribute the story into communities is another kind of really intentional approach to reaching new audiences that um, are impacted by the issues.
0: Looking back a couple of years ago, Exposure Labs produced Chasing Ice in 2012 and then Chasing Coral in 2017. How did those films and the campaigns that followed advance change?
1: Yeah, so um, Chasing Ice was really what birthed the kind of longer arc of this work. And um, that film was made almost 10 years ago now, I believe. <laughs> yeah, 10 years ago. And um, that film, uh, Jeff Orlovsky Yang, who's the director and founder of Exposure Labs uh Took a small team of people into a district in Ohio um, that was a there was a climate skeptic um, representative in that district, and they ran a series of um, screenings and engaged um, local community members around the film and around cl- uh, conversations around climate change specifically and then they ran a poster campaign for community members to really kind of call call in the um the representative in that district who eventually was um ended up changing his stance on climate change and um ended up admitting that it it is a real issue and so that being able to see that kind of tangible way that that film was used as a tool to change minds and and in this case changing a climate skeptic is felt really powerful and so um chasing ice was um the whole concept of chasing coral was from chasing ice Mm -hmm. and um there was obviously it's a different issue but um the impact campaign was already thought about within um within the making of the film and through that through the impact campaign there was a a variety of different ways that the the film was used. And I mentioned before that there was the campaign in South Carolina. um, There was a get out the vote effort in Georgia. Um, There was just a a bunch of different efforts that were used in in different communities to um, mobilize around climate change. And that then birthed the the longer trajectory of our work, which is kind of where I sit now.
0: Shifting gears a little bit, and, and I have a somewhat broad question. What does climate justice mean to you?
1: Wow, that is a broad question, <laughs> and it's very loaded. Um, well, I mean, climate justice to me is, it's climate justice is racial justice, it's economic justice, it's housing justice, it's um, recognizing this huge, massive issue is a result of um uh, of all of the systems, same the same oppressive and extractive systems that um have caused a lot of the isms of our time. Um so I think of climate justice is um the path forward. And without climate justice, we're never gonna have solutions to racism. Um, poor communities are are gonna stay poor, but until we shift those systems, um, we won't really be able to have equitable and just solutions. So climate justice is the path forward to a more equitable and just future.
0: And I imagine a lot of the work that you're doing um, would probably lean into the answer of how climate communications need to evolve to advance climate justice. I would imagine sort of the full scope of the work that, that you're doing with exposure labs kind of um, is working to advance that climate communications in a, in a way that is focused squarely on climate justice. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So uh, our work is really centered in climate justice and it's, um, recognizing that, uh, we, we can't talk about one issue without the other and that the intersectionality of all of these issues are, um, not only not only need to be addressed when thinking about the problem but they also need to be um addressed when thinking about the solutions as well so our goal and our kind of charge as storytellers is um bringing that bringing that awareness to to the masses and to audiences
0: and given your extensive experience in the space i was wondering What you think we should think about the state of action on climate change in a world where we continue to see some progress in both the public and private sector, but also we witness continued crises uh, caused by a warming planet. How how should the average person sort of think about the state of action in the space?
1: Well, I mean... Yeah, that that is a good question, because it is it's like when you're in the work, you see the progress and you have the hope and you want. But then you're also equally defeated. And so thinking about everyday people, thinking about these issues, it can feel all consuming and overwhelming. But um, I really do believe that uh, no matter where you are, who you are is like following the leadership of local communities and um, seeing what's happening in in your neighborhood or in your larger community is um, often where the most change happens. Um, and I think building relationships um, centered around transparency and accountability with local community members and kind of getting involved there is a really powerful way to um, continue to kind of harness the the hope and the joy that is needed to be able to, to move us forward. And um, I also think working with communities that are most impacted by these issues that, um, they know, they know the issues, they know the problems, they know the solutions and it can feel really powerful to, to be in those spaces and and working at that level.
0: Final question somewhat related to that answer is what are some ways that listeners can get more involved in supporting this work? Are there sort of resources or organizations they should look to to help support some of the local efforts on the ground?
1: Um, well, yeah, there's, and for our work specifically, I mean, our website, um, ExposureLabs.com has uh, a lot of resources and um, kind of different ways to stay involved and to get a sense of, of what we do, um, support climate storytelling. So, um If there's any films out there, whether you have access to any of the platforms or the streamers, um, continue engaging in the content and continue supporting the content, support local artists, support local storytellers. Um, and when it comes to the organizing work following like I said, following the leadership of, of local communities and local organizations can be really powerful. And um, one group in particular that we work really closely with for U.S. based um, people, especially particularly the U.S. South is the Southeast Climate and Energy Network. And they're kind of a, a regional collaborative that seeks to build capacity specifically for their members and work um, at the regional and, and local level to um, kind of shift shift solutions towards climate justice and, um, just love the work that they do love the whole approach to the work. And, um, it's just, it's a really powerful, um, representation of, of what's possible.
0: Well, thank you so much, Lindsay, for sharing all your insights and also for continuing to shine a spotlight on critical issues and then also turning that awareness into much needed action. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much, Lindsay, for sharing how Exposure Labs is using media to support the work of organizations and individuals combating climate change. I'll leave links to where you can find Lindsay and Exposure Labs in the show notes, which you can find at only.one forward slash upwell. Once again, that's only.one forward slash upwell. This week's episode was engineered by Jake Bowles. Research was supported by Serena Cooper. And our cover art was designed by Joanna Marcus at Only One. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And start your journey to help save the ocean and fix the climate today at only.one. For as little as $9, you can start planting coral and mangroves and removing plastics and carbon. Again, that's www.only.one. Thanks for tuning in and we'll be back next week with an all new episode of Upwell.